I'm so I'm so. So Charlie, on that note, it's like, mm-hmm. is noir a genre, a genre, or a style? Hmm. Um, well, I can tell my opinion. I think that's all we want. Definitely. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not a style. Not I a think style. it is definitely definitely it's a form. And and the, the reason why it's a is what? because a form. So it's a, it's, it's a, what, what, what do you think what I said? I thought because he said style or genre and you just came up with a third option. Well, let oh, him yeah. answer. <laughs> like, what the, like, let him for, answer. For, okay, a form, it is almost like a genre, but uh, yeah. So, so basically, it's a, I think it's a genre. It's definitely not a style. Like, and the Charlie, I, ju- I just want to say, don't let the fucking colonial shape your answer. If you want to call it a form, <laughs> call it a form. <laughs> okay. Sorry, motherfucker, who was there before me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't know anything about this. Well, actually, you know. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I think it's definitely a genre, and uh, one of the reasons because if it would be a style, everything which is following the same style, it would be a film noir, and we know that it's not, because right. you know it's like what's the style? You know, style obviously black and white and high key lighting and you know all this shit which is usually summarizing it but as a form you can have a certain elements in the story what you have to follow you know you always have a femme fatale you always have a main character whose uh, motivation it is changing time to time depends which type of information is yeah. uh, is get presented and because of that you can get this genre to moving in different kind of noir uh, uh you know a, a post version of it so for example like film noir obviously that finished around in the 40s 50s but it is emerged in the 70s it's called neo-noir like yeah, one neo-noir, of the most yeah. famous one in chinatown so and 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 you know clute or lots of amazing I, I, I watched chinatown once but i forgot it Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's really, really that was a that was a sh- that was a, sh- a shitty joke on the closing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, 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 yeah, that, that's a, that's amazing film. And and later on, obviously, in the 90s, it is became a, a new subgenre as well for the mm-hmm. noir. It was uh, coming, uh, you know, it became like uh, erotic noir, like Basic Instinct. Yeah. Or for for example the uh court can i say noir. like like i think noir was always uh, was always meant to be erotic like n- not that i they were oh, trying yeah, like yeah like, you know like i mean that that was definitely what needed to happen i was like i feel like for decades people were watching noir and everyone was going like i think they should be fucking in this but i like no one's been brave, brave enough to do it but i think they it, was, it yeah. was Sorry, it was generally illegal to show. So, for example, I remember my grandmother telling me that in every film, by law, if there was two people sitting on a bed, one had to have their foot firmly placed on the floor. Yeah, yeah. So basically, there was a guy. His name was William Hayes. He was a senator in in uh, back of the days, and he created the Hayes Codex. And mm-hmm. uh, that Hayes Codex, it is just forbidden people to show in this type of versions like a married couple couldn't sleep in one bed so if they featured in their bedroom they had to do separate beds you couldn't have a longer kiss like i don't know like one minute or, or less there's a reason like for example hitchcock in north by northwest 
he had in this the longest kiss ever because they just you know break down the kiss so many times so oh. it is felt like it's a long one but uh, because one of these restrictions uh, back of the days as well similar restrictions film noir it is born because that's the reason why for example in femme fatale character exists because they were not allowed to show uh, uh, the main character seduce a woman therefore they created for a woman who seduced the man and that is how right, they, right. the femme fatale like, figure they, they were they were punk as fuck they were like subverting <laughs> yeah. the rules like that's really cool i didn't know any of that shit. oh yeah they're really dark yeah, exactly. as well so like essentially they they were that's funny because you know the femme fatale is like the i think when i think of cinema and there's always this discussion of like people of color mm-hmm. not being represented enough or being represented as criminals and then women yeah. not getting like strong characters and when i think of cinema i always think like the femme fatale is like the the best like the best we oh, got yeah. for a long time of women you know like because it's a strong female character but essentially they, they, that just showed up because men weren't allowed to take the lead on that because it wasn't exactly yeah yes so, yeah wow. so and, and of course later on it is just developed in in their own you know genre uh, yeah. elements what what they want to use and for example in one of my favorite you know like a neo-noir uh, type of film it is like presumed innocent from harrison ford Mm. Well, it's from Ellen J. Pakula, but reason for playing it is in the 90s. It's like a courtroom drama mixed with film noir. It's brilliant. And, and uh, obviously you got in later on the, the, uh, the, uh, the other new subgenre. It's called future noir, which is mm-hmm. like minority report or like total recall. And, like do, uh, do and Blade Runner. Runner. Do, yeah, I was going to say. Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah. Of course, Blade Runner, the most famous one. Yes. Yeah. So the king that's of the reason genre, I, Philip K. Dick. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's the reason I think uh, film noir it's it's definitely not a style. It has to be a genre. Right. Do like is there any example we've we've got of like a film noir movie that doesn't look like the film noir style? That makes sense. Like oh, without yeah. the oh. black and white light in the lightning and I, I I mean after when film noir finished all these neo noir films, for example in Chinatown it's it's colored. It's a colored yeah. film. But it still, or, but or, it still looks like. I mean, when I look at it, like the soundtrack and everything, I can immediately. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith music, yeah. But for example, if you uh, go, uh, you know, like in Blade Runner, of or, or or what I mentioned that in Presumed Innocent, yeah. if you go there, it's like a '90s a film, or like Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct, you wouldn't say it's a it's a noir. It's just mm, like it's an erotic thriller, but. To be fair, it is following exactly the same structure like a film noir would do. Not just because of the terms of femme fatale, but like Michael Douglas' character has got always changing his motivation. He always wants to do something else in the entire film. So using all exactly the same elements like a classical noir does. I I was going to suggest Taxi Driver. Would that be as well in a similar kind of sense? It can be, yeah, yeah. It's a screenplay by Pro Scheller, yeah, yeah. Has got has got certain elements as well, and uh, yeah. Well, to be fair, if you, if you think about that, in Sybil Shepherd's character as well, could be a femme fatale figure, even if she's not so impacting in uh, Robert De Niro's life, but still making changes because of of her. 
Yeah, I, I, I looked it up. It's, it's apparently it's very argued mostly that it's a neo-noir film. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver. Well, because no, Taxi Driver to me was, I mean, my theory of film noir was the fact that it was dark, not only because the film dramatically, noirs... Dramatically, you mean. Yeah, dramatically, because the film noirs I kind of grew up were um, either The Big Sleep, which is actually technically kind of lighter compared, but um, Gilda, The Third Man, uh, Concrete mm-hmm. Jungle, um, is it Sunset Boulevard with... Um, oh, yes, it, Billy Ryder. With the with the swimming pool at the beginning. Yes. Like, yes. I always wanted a pool. Yes. Like, I always wanted one. <laughs> that's, that's a brilliant film. Yeah, Billy Wilder wrote amazing films. Yeah. I love the beginning of that where he's like, poor guy. And you're just like, well, <laughs> like, there's a guy drowned yeah, in a swimming pool. <laughs> poor guy. He always wanted a swimming pool. <laughs> but my, my theory was that the fact that that you had darkness and so forth and Gilda perfectly because none of that is shot during the daytime like in Gilda mm-hmm. from beginning to end it's sunset to not even it doesn't even sunrise and the idea of you know, sorry film noir would be that it was always with a dark subject in a dark way um, obviously yeah. film time, well, so well okay well, so like I'm gonna throw something in here uh, <laughs> continuity like I what if I'm really ballsy and I say that From Dusk Till Dawn is a film noir? Um, I would argue with that. And the reason yeah, why... Yeah, I know, I you imagine have, you would. <laughs> uh, because, because you have a genre change, a genre twist in the middle of the film. Right. Because, but, because you have... It's, it's a twisted genre that is existing. Uh, there is mm-hmm. a subgenre. Because in the beginning, it is like a road movie robbery film which is turns out a horror film in the middle mm. exactly in the middle yeah. so it is like it's a, it's a twisted genre which is amazing there is a so many films does the same majority like danny boyle films he mm. really like to do the same do a little bit twisting like train spotting and you have in on, any other film what he what he does just a little bit you know messed, messed with the with the expectations so mm. from dust till down i i i wouldn't really call it as a as a film noir. Fair enough, but yeah, yeah I, but we've got but, but we've got the elements there. Like we've got the, the main characters change their minds a lot, and there's definitely strong yeah, definitely. female characters but, and all this. Where's the, 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 one, what I, the, the <laughs> one what I, what I would bring up, and lots of people would argue with that, but I would say definitely it's not film noir, Sin City. So Sin City, yeah, right. That's got, always an argument there, yeah. Mm. All the element is there, black and white, depressive, the music, the cinematography, everything. However, if you check the story, the story, it is exactly the same like a Friends sitcom episode. So you have an op- opening <laughs> teaser, which is Josh Hartnett there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you think about it. You you have in and the then Chandler you know, said this funny thing. No, so so in the beginning you have you know like a like an opening with in with Josh Hartnett. It is exactly like a teaser when you have in Friends, yeah. and you have three stories, which is three separate uh, stories, which is like really arches, loosely yeah. connected together. And you have in the end, again, with Josh Hartnett closing down the story with his tag, which is exactly the same formula, like you have an episode. And, uh, and 
you can't have a, a, a femme fatale in these stories and the main characters, they are not changing their motivations. Mm-hmm. So they, they exactly do what they want in the beginning of the story. That is exactly what they get in the end of the story. Where, where do you think that comes from? Like the, the main character changing their minds all the time? Like, you know, since the femme fatale came from that conditioning from the Hays Code, like, is, um, is this a it, statement it, it, or...? Yeah, it, it is came from the same place as well. And, and also it is some sort of gap between the art films and between like a popular or like a mass, mass cult films. So it's like the, in normally when you are making like a popcorn film, you know exactly the motivation of your, of your main character. Yeah. You have to know because otherwise as a, as a viewer, you just don't give a shit what, what's going to happen. Yeah. But in, if you're watching back in art films, you can see that, you know, you never know, or so many times you have got no idea what the main character is going to do. And that is the excitement which it brings in. So that is what the noir film uses as well to put in, in this genre. So you always have to be get surprised by the main character because you are not in the same page. You always one step behind than the main mm-hmm. character, which in a Hollywood film, that would be a death sentence. You, you never yeah, right. That, that would kill your sales immediately. People exactly. don't relate to exactly. that. Yeah. People don't relate yeah. to a character who's like, it was molded by his surroundings and who changes yeah. his allegiances. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, no one thinks and, that can happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and also following all the famous, you know, uh, noir writers or any other crime writer, uh, that is a common thing of the literature as well. Sometimes you are one step behind from your main character. Sometimes happen, well, for example, Raymond Chandler. If you're reading any Raymond Chandler, so many times you have no idea what's going on. You just <laughs> understand what, what Mario does. I love that. I, that's my favorite thing of a lot of us. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. when I read, I read The Big Sleep uh, when I was a lot younger, I think I was 16. And I remember like halfway through the book, just putting it on my lap. I was on a bus and I just put it on my lap and just went... I have no idea what yeah. he is right but now. But that, that's really, like, I, I think I've said, I don't know if I've said this in the, like, in a previous recording that we did or whatever, but I say it all the time. It's like, art shouldn't, art doesn't need to explain stuff to you and it shouldn't try. Like, it's it's your fucking job to figure it out. You know, like, you're consuming it. You put some yeah. effort in, you know, like, you try, you bitch. Like, think about it a little bit. It's I, not- actually, I have... Yeah, sorry. It just I apologize. I do actually have a story about Raymond Chandler and the Big Sleep. So, yes. um, Charlie, who wrote the screenplay for it? Uh, the ninety, the film. I don't know. You, but, oh, but I, know I finally got something. It took me like so many years, but the first time I've gone, <laughs> who was the screenplay writer? And you just got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, I'll, no, I'll no. I'll, Okay, yeah. so anyway, apparently when they were writing, I think it was Faulkner. I'm not, I'm, for some reason Faulkner's possible. Sorry, it, it, was, it was William Faulkner, Lee Bracken, no, and Giles Furtman co-wrote. So Faulkner, Faulkner used to drink in uh, Musso and Franks, and so did Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler wrote The Bricks Sleep in Musso and Franks. Um, and when, so when they gave the screenplay to Faulkner, Faulkner was going through it, and you read through the book, and he's like, I have no idea, like how this who who did the murder, but I can't like he he planned it out, but he could they couldn't do the original ending in the film because the original ending didn't match up to the Hayes Code, like it's 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 so so he ended up 
going, well, I've done this and this. And he ends up speaking to the barman. The barman goes, I've got Raymond Chandler's number. He's, he's probably at home right now. Give him a call. So he gives him a call and he goes, Chandler, um, so wait, who? So the ending is this and this happened. And he goes, um, yeah, like, like, how's the ending going? He just, Chandler got down the phone. He's like, oh, I don't know how the fucking thing ends. You do it. <laughs> yeah right like, it's like you do it yeah. you fucking do it like, I don't have to explain <laughs> yeah. it to anyone like, he didn't know how like, yeah. even he was just like, mm. yeah. <laughs> like but that, that's brilliant yeah. like he just followed the story like it, it went somewhere he just went with it wherever it made sense you know like you don't the big have... sleep is a, is a perfect example for like changing motivation because um, Chandler when he wrote it cannibalized four other stories and put them in one like it's actually a Philip Mer- it's the, I know it's Philip Merlot's technically his first novel into the world but Merlot's uh-huh. um, story is actually technically four stories crashed into one and it was just from him kind of drunkenly smoking at Musso and Franks and he just went well, what if I take this and put this together and put this on and I put this character through here and that's how he got to it and I mean it is a confusing fucking book when you work because you're like wait who is that who like and even worse he does the Russian thing of someone will talk for a while but he doesn't say who so, you know, like in mm-hmm. kind of English literature, you'll hear, uh, so-and-so said, da, 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 he replied. Uh-huh. Chandler will put a paragraph of writing in there and it's like, wait, did the narrator say this? Or did she say, yeah. wait, and then, and then he'll say, blah, blah, the butler said, you know, like, when did he enter the room? <laughs> yeah. When did he enter yeah. the room? <laughs> yes, that's, that's. The general said, crazy. wait, the general can speak? I swear he said at the beginning, the general couldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's a little, little bit like uh, uh, Elmo Leonard. So, who I, yeah. I love Elmo Leonard, but it's the same if you're reading him. You know, it's like there is several things when when he's gonna manipulate on on the text, and you don't know who's talking and what happened and when did this happen. You know, it's like you 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 lost the step. You you saw that you are following the character, but suddenly something happened and you have no idea what's happening. It's brilliant. It's really really good. I find it really funny that like we, I don't know why it was, I don't know if it's like the, the entertain, probably the entertainment factor that we might guess, but I find it really funny that through all other forms of entertainment, we've seen a lot of like stuff like the Hays Code and, uh, you know, censorship and ratings and, you know, that's in movies, video games, music, everything got diluted. It got really brought down to like, no, you've got to follow a certain formula. That's what we're going to tell people is good because it's the simple thing to follow. But books kind of, you know, they were the original like medium, but they always, you know, there was censorship, there was book burning and all this, yeah. but you always had uh, authors coming up with whatever fucking insane shit they have in their mind. Yeah. Like, you know, like for some, like, you know, you, you've got slipstream uh interstices which is like a genre that's like fucking insane no other medium i think ever got that bold you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, i don't know why books kind of managed to stay away from that um I, I think i know the answer um, i think the reason why because uh film it is expensive it needs right. a lot of money <laughs> to, to make it right and that, that's such a simple answer audience yeah. yeah. So in book you can write whatever you want, and you you can even print out yourself. Nobody yeah. Is, and general generally, it's like really poor drunk guys doing yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. That was such That's a the best answer. literature. 
the best yeah. literature poor guys in exactly but i think yeah uh, charlie's definitely onto something it's like there's no investor going like nah you gotta make some return on this shit right yeah Just, yeah i mean i mean if you think about it like for example in uh, vladimir nobokov you know lolita it was forbidden oh, and yeah. book for for a while but you could still manage in that time to buy in you know under the shelves yeah. in in certain bookshops so even if it was forbidden you could still get it somehow yeah. because it you know it wasn't a high risk you just got it printed out somewhere or somebody yeah. printed but, out but like the and, movie and no one would even make it so it makes exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, 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 you know, like the the times change. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but however, like, but if you watch the movies them, and or read the book, it's completely different, right? I'm sure that's the point. Oh yeah, yeah, and and both of them has got a really really strong censorship. So Kubrick had to fight a lot of things to put in the film, mm -hmm. and later on, Adrian Lyne, when he made in 1997 with Jeremy Irons, the second Lolita they had much much tougher time oh, to yeah. what need to cut out what don't need to cut out it was horrible in both times yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to make obviously something? like then sorry like obviously if you search like a porn version they didn't need to cut out anything but it's also no. like art <laughs> artist yeah. but also like it lost the, all the, the artistry very you know yeah, <laughs> yes. very it's horrible. Um, actually something i read um speaking of vladimir Nabukov, who also ran because he was originally he originally from areas where censorship was severely held in and he released his book in the united states lolita is actually one of those books that if you buy it you actually could be put on a watch list in the united states and in many countries it's still one of the is one of the top books that is asked to be banned in society and the whole mm. point of the book is it's supposed to make you and especially with the film because the the stanley kubrick film that beginning intro with like the painting of the toes like yeah. that is so the whole point of the book because everyone's like oh you're glorifying the lead character you're not you feel even even when you you're supposed to feel kind of sorry for him you're like kind of like no he's wretched he's a horrible person and yeah. like and people because a lot of people are like oh it's glorifying um what he does and it's, I it's think, not it's i think it's, it's like a mirror at him. we've we've got a bit of a like in, in society we've got a bit of this complex of like when we show someone whoever it is as a human we we mistake that with like justifying their actions you know we're so used to things being like you, you know what i mean like if you know if mm -hmm. you watch the news uh, there's this great cat williams joke where he says like you watch the news and they always they're always killing insurgents out in iraq i don't know one insurgent person i don't have one insurgent friend what the fuck are those kill them all right so <laughs> this, this is a brilliant joke it's like we always dehumanize everything but you know like if we yeah. want to invade a country they're terrorists if we want to like uh, uh destroy a whole population of a different color then they're the, <laughs> the criminal the poor criminals right and we're always dehumanizing everything. And when we finally look at some anyone in a humanized light, we mistake that we're justifying every action. And it's just like, uh -huh. people are just that complex. You just do shit that isn't right sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Actually, especially I, if, you, if you're checking in the, uh, uh, you know, the book, in Back to Lolita, you know, people forget that fact. Lolita character, she is really complex, and she's the one who basically controlling Humper. So yeah. it's like it's not about a poor girl who's seduced by a, a, a old uh, guy. 
it is about a girl who's the one who's controlling the old guy using his mm-hmm. you know approach yeah low is evil um yeah but also on that glorification because there is something with film noir as well and sorry i'm dragging back to the subject but also film noir would be probably one of the first that kind of glorified its its villains i would say like if you think about it or film because Charlie's got that twitch in his face, so I know some, <laughs> I've said something wrong. Tell that. No, 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 I'm, I'm uh, just, I'm just waiting no. to, to explain. <laughs> I'm just for waiting example, to correct you. <laughs> for, no, no, no. But for example, so if you do look at, I'm gonna give, I'll give two. May I give two examples mm-hmm. of villains go, go, who? Go. You can, or, you can be wrong once. You can be wrong twice. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, in so if you look Can't at, wait, if you Adam. Want, <laughs> He's got the pen. He's got the pen. <laughs> so, in so for example, in Gilda, which mm-hmm. to be honest, everybody in Gilda is a villain. Like the whole thing is about villainy. But the one guy who, like, okay, say what you will, Johnny. Johnny is cruel, but he does become the hero at the end of it, kind of thing. Which surprise, surprise with that one. But he, but Valen, for example, the villain is the actual one who you'd be like, oh. Guy's kind of cool. That guy's the good, not the good guy. Mm-hmm. That guy's the cool guy, or whatever. And you would, it does kind of glorify him, even though he's pretty much this horrible. Has some of the creepiest lines in cinema, like "hate is such an emotion." Yeah, but <laughs> see, but that's kind of that's kind of what we were talking about just now. Like, he's he's just complex, which just people aren't mm-hmm. used to a complex character. It doesn't mean he's yeah. glorified. Like villains are supposed to be complex. You you know what I mean? You're not just bad you're not just like yeah i'm gonna do evil shit yeah you know like yeah. you've, got, you've got motives that drive you to it that's kind of what i'm linking it to though because like pretty much if you look at it from say like old westerns i mean like old old westerns yeah mm-hmm. ones, it's just like they wore a black hat and then they're the black, black the hat guy. white hat yeah. blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah, and exactly. When it comes to film noir, I would say that's the first kind of time in, and I mean the early noir, so when you get back mm-hmm. to like just before the talkies, even, which the few silent film noirs that there is, are, when you have this kind of thing, it, glor- it does, I don't want to say it glorifies them, but you kind of look for the first time instead of like, um, I'm trying to think of other films, like I've only got Scarface in my head, sorry, not the the original, not not the 1980s film. But yeah, like, the villain in Scarface, you're kind of like, fuck it, I hope that guy dies. But like, yeah. well, even even better with film noir, The Third Man. Because mm-hmm. who in the hell want Orson Welles' character to die? From the moment he pops up with that smile on his face, you inst- I don't want to say you fall in love with him, but you have this kind of like, you fall in love guy. with him. You fall in love. Yeah, you do. It's like awesome. everybody from the beginning of that film until Orson Welles turn up. There's nobody. Everybody's. I don't want to say drab, but like everyone's like, like, like the cop involved, the main character, mm-hmm. the femme fatale, everything. You're like, mm. like it makes you kind of halfway through the film go, why is this one of the greatest films ever collected? And then the minute Orson Welles shows up, the entire film changes, and the motive of the film changes with it, and it kind of has this weird cut. So it goes from one man trying to find another to this kind of complex build up to mm-hmm. kind of, well, the, the immortal, like we have to be bad because if we're bad, good things come out of it. Like obviously the Swiss had brotherly love for 500 years and what did they invent? The cuckoo clock. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that line literally states like, like no one really likes, well, no one's supposed to like the bad guy, but that one line you go like, like was it? Was it? Think yeah, but Italy. that's the, but the why aren't you? Why aren't you supposed to like the bad guy? Bad guys are often very, very that's, charismatic. Yeah, in life. Yeah, you know, so. But but in film noir, it is working the other way around as well. 
So that is maybe the first genre when when they acknowledge the main character can be bad as well in the mm -hmm. same time. So like, for example, the first film noir, Maltese Falcon, you know, it's like Humphrey Bogart character. He's not necessarily the, the, the clean best guy ever. He has got, again, dark secrets and the way he's mm -hmm. approaching, you know, he's sitting a woman and whatever, you know, he does in there, he's like between bad and good. It's not necessary he is the good guy, but meantime, on the story perspective, he's definitely not the bad guy. But normally, he's not necessarily a good one either. So it's like a really complex character. And all the other film noir heroes, usually they, they have really complexity. So the same way as the villain as well. It's not necessary, as Alphonse says, it's not like, you know, from Austin Powers to <laughs> I'm, I'm the bad guy, you know. It's like, I want a million dollars. So it's, it's like, has, has, again, has got maybe a good intentions, but just the way it is does, it is, it is just bad in, in the perspective of the story. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's, yeah. Actually, it's like film noir was the, the best attempt so far of taking actual good writing and make it yes. profitable movies. Exactly. Oh, That's yeah. essentially what it was, yeah.